My name is Jeff Rowe, and this is Digital Dominance, the podcast for service-based small business owners who are ready to seize the recognition and growth that their company deserves. You've worked hard to build a business you're proud of. Now it's time for Digital Domination. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Digital Dominance. Now, lead generation is a common buzzword that we've all heard more times than we can count, but it is a very important part of digital marketing. So today, we're going to dive into it a little bit deeper. And to help us do that, please help me welcome David Owazi to the show. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, pleasure to be here. Super excited. Awesome. I'm excited too. But before we jump into our conversation, I wanted to give the listeners a little bit of background. Uh, so David has been doing digital marketing. You know, He's got over 10 years of experience in marketing and software, and he's the founder of a company called Outreach Genius. Now, his company has developed some amazing tools for effective lead generation on LinkedIn and cold email, and they can even reveal the identities of up to 70% of your anonymous website visitors, which is bonkers. <laughs> he has... Yeah, he'll, maybe he'll tell us more about that in a little bit. But he's got a passion for solving complex problems like this, which is why I wanted to have him on the show today to talk about lead generation. Now, one more thing, real quick, for listeners who are brand new to digital marketing, a lead is just a term for a prospective customer, and lead generation is the process of finding, scraping, buying, or otherwise obtaining the contact information of these prospects so that you can reach out to them. Now, David, most of my listeners have service businesses rather than product businesses. So as you know, that means they have to meet with a prospect in order to earn their business. And I thought we could start by having you talk a little bit about the concept of a qualified lead versus a plain old lead. Yeah, so um, uh, that's a good question, by the way, Jeff, and thanks for the introduction. Um, Qualified leads mean different things to different people. But generally for me, uh, there's sort of two things that stands out to me. Number one is intent. Is there a clear intent in where they are interested in the services you're offering or the, or more, more, let's put it more, more, more aptly, if they have a, a, a problem that you can solve and there's an intent there. For me, that's one, one marker of a qualified lead. The second one is if they fit uh, some other set of criteria. For example, can they afford what you can what you are offering? Can they pay? Are they in the you know uh, in that dem- uh, demographic that you've highlighted as your ICP? Uh, it's there's so, so many uh, criterias for how you can define your ideal lead. But for me, intent is probably the biggest one because you know everyone can raise up their hands and say they're interested, but are they actually uh, have they thought about the the problem you're trying to solve before you talk to them? which means that they're going to be ready to buy your products once uh, you do your pitch. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I wanted to mention real quick, you used an acronym ICP. Again, for listeners who are new to digital marketing, that just means ideal customer profile. So when he's talking about knowing your ICP, that means you need to know who your target customer is. A lot of people haven't spent a lot of time on that. But do you have any other comments on that? Yes, ICP is very, very crucial. You need to understand who exactly you're selling to and if you have to be able to define who they are in as much detail. So you have to be able to understand who they are in terms of, you know, uh, general demography. You know, they are, uh, you know, a uh, John Doe male 45 uh, who is uh, the founder or who is a director or whatever it is. You have to like visualize a specific person in mind. And then when you're building all your marketing assets, you're thinking of this specific person. When you're thinking of your outreach strategy, you're thinking of this specific person in mind. Uh, the, the more detailed you can be about that ICP, the more likely you have success with your uh, lead generation efforts. And I think one other thing we should touch on is 
a lot of people when they think of lead generation, they think of buying a list, right? Paying somebody some money for a list of names and emails or phone numbers, uh, but you can't really get that as targeted. Or is that as good as having a custom approach where you know your target profile and you know what's the difference there? Yeah, buying a list is probably not the smartest way to go. I mean, sometimes it can work if you're very, very clear about who fits your ideal customer profile. Sometimes it could work. Um, but there are other more sophisticated ways to find your ideal uh, customer. So, for example, one way would be to create content. And if you create content, well, the people who actually engage with your content, they're sort of signifying and raising up their hands saying, yes, I'm interested in what you're saying, which means they could be potential customers. But not everybody has the talent, the space, the time to do that, which is why sometimes you just have to go out and do the thing yourself and force the issue almost. And if you're doing that, I find, especially if you're in the, in the B2B space, uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator is an excellent tool that allows you to do that. So you can go to Sales Navigator on LinkedIn, pick the filters and say, hey, I'm looking for founders in the uh, in the uh, medical industry who have done this and done that, who have X, X amount of experience. I find that to be a much better way. And one of the things we've done at Outreach Genius is that what we've done is we find that even with Sales Navigator, sometimes Sales Navigator will still give you like 40% of the result is still not correct. It's garbage. Just for some reason, their software doesn't just give you that. So what we did is we, we have a Chrome extension. And with that Chrome extension, you can actually uh, scrape that data from Sales Navigator into our platform. And then what our platform does is it looks at each of those individuals and it then tells you by percentage score, how likely that person is in your ideal customer profile based on the filters you chose. So it will tell you this person is 100% match. So all the filters you picked, they got everything. Or this person is 50% and they will tell you the reason why they don't fit, they didn't fit the geographical location or the job title or whatever. And that way you can at least clean up your list uh, to make sure that you're speaking to the ideal person. But Sales Navigator is an extremely powerful tool to help you uh, find those ideal customer profiles. Well, and that's that's a really important thing you mentioned there, because if you didn't know you have to further refine those results, you might think that the first list it spits out is going to be perfect for you, and you start emailing all those people, and oops, sorry, a lot of these were <laughs> bad fits, you know? Exactly. So that's, that's good to know. Mm-hmm. So what if, does the source of the leads matter? Obviously, we've established that, you know, buying a list is probably a bad idea because it could be outdated or, you know, not targeted. But what about, you know, how do you choose between prospecting on LinkedIn versus using cold email or scraping Google, something like that? Yeah, so it really depends on on your ideal customer. So if you're going to the B2B space uh, where all your ideal customers are professionals or business owners of some sort, I find that LinkedIn is just the best source or a platform like Apollo. But again, Apollo still also relies on LinkedIn's data pretty much. Uh, so I find that to be the best place of B2B. Now, if you're in the B2C space, that's a whole different ballgame entirely. And you might need to look outside of LinkedIn for that. Uh, I focus on LinkedIn, but you know, in that case, Buying lists might make a lot of sense where you have somebody who for somehow they have access to a database of, of records of, you know, people who are in some sort of associations and that is like your ideal fit. So there's so many ways you can be more creative in the B2C space. But if you're in the B2B space, LinkedIn is probably your number one. And then you have like places like ZoomInfo, Apollo, Lemlist, and they have all these platforms, but all of them still in one way piggyback on Sales Navigator and LinkedIn because, you know, there's almost a billion uses uh, professionals on LinkedIn uh, every year. So you know, that's really where the, the magic is. So then let's talk about volume because, mm-hmm. you know, if a person's trying to do this manually, they can only get to so many people each day. 
Um, and obviously, everybody's talking about AI lately. I know you guys use AI in your tools as well. So what makes your approach better with AI than you know some of the other ways you could go do this? Absolutely. So AI has been a game changer for us. And there are many ways we are leveraging AI. For example, I just told you about the lead cleaning process. So one of the things that we're testing internally with AI is to even make that lead process, lead cleaning process a lot better. What we're doing is we're training an LLM model. So it's basically like a, uh, like a little, like a small AI model in a box. And we're training this AI model to say, Hey, I'm going to give you a list of 2000 people. And I'm going to tell you who my ideal customer profile is. So it's you know, John Doe, he's a founder, blah, 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 blah. I want to tell you all of that. And then I want you to go through each of the information that I've scripted using a, a, a Chrome extension from Sales Navigator, look through all that information, the name, their job title, the bio, and then match each of those person with the ICP I've given you. And if it's a fit, then give me the checkbox. If it's not a fit, delete it from the list. So that's why we were using AI to even for the cleaning list, because at the end of the day, uh, you only have so much bandwidth and volume uh, of, well, you only have so much resources. You can't reach out to 20,000 people quickly. So if you can even clean up your list so that everybody is like precise targeted, then that saves you time and it gets you, helps you make the most of your resources. So that's one way. The second way is true automation. So automation is not something new. Everybody knows about automation these days. And you know that on LinkedIn, there are a lot of automation software, lots of them in the market. Well, we are one of the first ones that has now really integrated AI and prompts into the same platform to complement the automation. So the way it works is this, we have a, an area called settings in our platform. And in that settings, we tell the AI, which we've called Jira, this is fun. Uh, we've tell, we basically tell the AI all about your business, your offer, everything about your, your company and your offer, who your ideal client is. And we also tell the AI everything about you as a person behind the brand. And then what we do is every incoming conversation, we map them into five buckets, friendly, um, engage, meeting requested, follow up. We have like those five buckets. And then for each of those buckets, we have specific prompts of what the AI message should be if it identifies this person into one of those buckets. And the idea of those buckets is that you're not just gonna reach out to somebody and then from the first minute you're gonna try and book a call. No, it's like, you know, you, you they express interest, they connect with you, and then you then kind of try to get friendly and then they are engaged and then they express interest and then, you know, the meeting is requested and then you know, that's the steps. So what our AI does now is when the message comes in, it looks at the content of the message and puts them into one of those buckets. And then when you press a specific button, it uses the prompts for that specific bucket and all the information associated with that person's LinkedIn profile, like their job title, their bio, and it uses all of that to create a very personalized, which is a key here, personalized message to them. So normally you would have had to like go and look at the profile, see everything about them, and then try to customize your messaging to them after they've expressed, after they've responded to your automated message to get them into the conversation. So what we're doing is bridging that gap where it's very dumb improved, which means you can either do it yourself or you can have like a VA do it for you, but you're not worried about you know, grammatical errors, you're not worried about seeing things out of context. And that has been a massive game changer for our client, leveraging the power of AI to create personalized messages, but using the automation in the first place, which we all know to start that conversation in the first place, and then combining both has been a game changer. So those are just two ways we've been using AI in our, in our uh, lead generation uh, steps. That's awesome. And I like that you highlighted personalization because uh, everybody's so used to getting bombarded with messages these days. It's easy to spot the bots that are just spitting out the same message to everybody. So 
making a custom version of the message at scale is huge. Absolutely. And we're also doing the same thing for email marketing as well. So the same problem exists in email marketing. And we did this experiment where we tried to get the AI, ChatGPT, to write email sequences, and it was terrible. <laughs> it was so robotic. We tried it out. It didn't work. People were like, this is awful. So what we did was I went out and I found some of the best email copywriters in the world, right? These are guys they're known for this, they're gurus. And what we did is I bought all of their course and their templates. And in their course and template, they have like their best lines, their best subject lines, their best everything. And what I did again was go to ChatGPT and there's something called fine tuning. And you can fine tune the model where you basically train the model on, this is what a good email looks like. This is what a email written by a real human being looks like. What a subject line written by a human being looks like. And we train the AI on like all these volumes of email, of email samples and templates. And then when we then give it a prompt and say, write an email for X specific reason, it's using the same approach that the, that the best copywriters in the world have used to then write the emails. And if I show you those email copy, they absolutely do not look like it was generated by you know a robot it looks very human it has all the emojis it has all the, like short sentences all the jokes in there it's really really good i mean there's still some way some ways to like make it even more better and we're always looking to improve it but again we've kind of brought that personalization by training the ai on specific data and what that means for you is you know of course not everyone is going to be at this level but if you have like a way you want to say things or a way your company does business or you're like, I don't know, like for example, in the financial space, there's certain things you can say and certain things you can't say to, you know, because of the rules. What you can do is you can fine tune the model and say, this is what normal means to me. And you can train the AI in that little closed environment and then send your then send your prompts to that specific closed environment. And then it will generate messages that aligns with how you've trained it's a massive game changer doing that. Can you talk a little bit about conversion rates and things? Because I want people to have realistic expectations. The way you're talking about this, it all sounds great and magical. And, you know, I say, okay, then the, the AI goes and does all this stuff for me. I'm going to suddenly have all this business. But what is a reasonable expectation? Great question. So one thing we've learned is that the, the hardest part of actually lead generation and prospecting is starting that conversation in the first place. People get so much, so bombarded all the time that they're just like fatigued and they don't have the time or the space. So I find that the, the best way to make sure that you have great um, uh, conversion, well, there's sort of two types of conversion. The first one is like they actually start talking to you. So that's conversion level one. Because if they don't start talking to you, well, there's no even chance they're going to get anything out of that. And then the second level of conversion is after they've spoken to you, then those who get booked into an appointment. So for me, my first focus is let's make sure that you are getting into conversations. And we have something we call the spicy copy approach. And with the spicy copy approach, what we basically do is we try as much as possible to stand out in people's inbox by what we say. In that first line. So for example, when we send connection requests on LinkedIn, instead of saying, hey, John, you're the best guy in the world. You're amazing. You're awesome. Which is literally what everybody is saying. What we say is something like, hey, John, I have a weird ability that allows me to get Y result for people like you. Now, if you're curious about my ability and how it relates to you, accept my connection request. If not, send me your most cutting insult. <laughs> and people love that because number one, you're just direct to the point. You're not trying to butter them up and try because people have their guards up when you're trying to butter them, butter them up. They're like, you're looking for something from me. But if you're very obvious about what you're trying to do, 
they either accept and then you know it's game to pitch them because now they know you're going to pitch them or if they don't accept then you know they were never going to talk to you or engage with you in the first place so i find that you know being real with people and not trying to butter them up is a better approach to getting them to start talking to you now once they start talking to you the next step is how do you guide the conversation to make sure that it aligns with your goal of getting them into a call and I find that telling them you're pitching them is a great way of doing that. It sounds counterintuitive, but people respect when you say, hey, I'm going to pitch you and it's okay for you to say no. And almost like you you tell them you're very honest and upfront about it. And of course, you know, you have to use a proper wording to make sure it doesn't sound weird. Um, but I find that that is a better way to get people talking. And then they would just give you that straight yes or no right away and you can move forward. So I find with this approach, we've been able to see a 60% increase in engagement where people are actually like talking to us back and forth. And so far right now, the normal engagement rates or the normal conversion rates normally is about 30 to 5% for cold outreach. It's pretty low. So you got to do a lot of you know, outreach to get people to convert. So if you're doing cold outreach where the person doesn't know you from, you know, from any time, typically if you get 5%, you're doing pretty good. But with that approach, with, with spicy coffee approach, we're seeing uh, almost a double, like 10% conversion rate. So basically when I say conversion rate, you speak to 100 people uh, that you never knew before and you use this approach that you shared. And out of those 100 people, typically 10% of those, 10 of those will like say, yeah, you know what? I'm going to jump on the call with you with this approach. So it's been a massive game changer for us. But for normal rates of conversion in a cold outreach game, typically 3 to 5% is like pretty good and pretty decent already. Yeah. Okay. And that's what I've heard as well. I just want people to understand, you know, like I've spent, sent, you know, 10,000 emails and I'm not getting, you know, nearly as many calls. Like, well, this is why most people mm -hmm. ignore it. Some of them end up in spam. Um, but generally you're just looking at three to 5% across the board, unless you're using these fancy tools like Dave is talking about, then you can get up closer to 10%. I'd also say that's probably not on day one. Usually there's some tweaking involved, right? You got to get that uh, feedback loop. Once you actually start doing a campaign, figuring out what's working and not working, you can test stuff and make it better, right? Absolutely. And one little trick for email campaigns is that you have to buy multiple domain names. So a couple of things, there's a platform called ionos.com. And what ionos does is, does is, and we've integrated into our, into our platform is it allows you to buy domain names for cheap, as cheap as $5. And then for each domain name, it allows you to spin off 25 email addresses for free. So literally, um, it's, it's just extremely cheap. So what you need to do is when you're doing email campaigns, you don't want to send like 200 emails from one domain, from one email account. That would just burn out the email account and means that a lot of the emails will start going to spam. So what you want to do is you want to send like maybe 10 emails per day per email account, which allows all those emails will actually be delivered into people's inboxes. And then because those email accounts are having a domain name, it looks legitimate, it looks professional. And then because of using this platform I just shared with you, you can get 25 of those email accounts. Each, and each of those 25 is sending 10 emails per day, which means you're sending 250 emails per day. So you can scale that effort very, very quickly. And there are lots of platforms like Instantly. We can do that on our platform at Outreachinos.ai as well, where you can like you know, send out many of those emails at scale, or you're sending like smaller volumes per email account, which retain the integrity of that account and allows you to get into people's inbox. So that's one little trick that I've learned and it's worked really well to get people, uh, get your, your message into people's inboxes.
Cool. That's a good resource. So we can put the link in the description for this episode. But I want to give listeners just a little more context on why you mentioned multiple domains and all of that. Because if you've never done cold email before, you know, this might sound like you're getting a little technical, uh, but you're going to make mistakes. <laughs> First time you do this, especially if you're doing it on your own, you're going to you know, forget something like the unsubscribe link in your email, or you're just going to get on some blacklist somewhere, and then you'll find that nothing's getting through. Right. And so that's why you want multiple domains available so that you've been warming them up over time and you can just switch over to the next one and you don't miss a beat. Uh, but obviously, if you work with someone experienced, they can help, you know, avoid all of this. And like David said, this kind of sets you up for success. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is that sending cold emails is not illegal. I've had clients ask me like, hey, isn't that, you know, you're, am I sending spam? Is that illegal? I'm like, no, 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 it's not illegal people post their email on their website, right? That means they want you to email them. Um, when people mark stuff as spam, it's because it's annoying or unwanted. And that's, again, why the personalization is so important because it lets people know upfront, hey, this is a pitch. I'm not trying to trick you. If you don't want it, just say no or hit the unsubscribe button, right? You're giving them that out. You're not bombarding them. If you keep emailing them after they say they want to unsubscribe, that's obviously a problem. So make sure your systems are in place to allow them to do that. Um, but having these multiple domains, this is just the, the approach to make this more sustainable, especially at scale. And the same thing is true on LinkedIn. If you just go from sending no messages a day to suddenly sending 200, you know, LinkedIn's going to say, oh, I'm going to flag your account because I think you're a bot now. Somebody got hacked or something. So you don't want to do that. You need to ramp up slowly as you get better at your messaging and personalization and making sure that these are real, valid uh, request to people and it's not just spam. So any other thoughts on that, David? No, no, those are very, very good points. And one thing I would say is that when it comes to legality, um, you attempt to, to, to stay compliant with the, uh, I mean, Canada is called, I think, Can Spam Act. I'm not sure what it, what it is in the US if it's the same name, but you have to give people can't spend money. You have to give people a way to unsubscribe. If they don't want to receive your message anymore, you have to give them that option. If you're not, then you're in violation of the spam act. So that's basically what uh, what is legal. Sending them the email is not legal. It's not illegal. Is not. It's basically forcing them to keep hearing from you when it clearly do not, or not giving them the option to stop hearing from you. That's a part that is uh, illegal. Okay, so we're getting close to the end of our time here. I just had just a couple last things I wanted to talk about. So what? Uh, a lot of people have been burned by lead generation companies, you know. So how can someone evaluate a potential lead generation partner to make sure it's going to be a good fit or that this person knows what they're doing? You know, if they meet someone at the chamber of commerce event and they say, "Oh yeah, I can do lead generation," how that? How do they decide if they should work with this person? Yeah, that's a very tricky one. I mean, you have to use your sense of judgment. Anyone can make promises. Um, I find that if someone is promising you specific numbers, it's a red flag because it's really, really hard, except if you're doing paid, if you're doing paid, then it's fair game, right? But if you're doing organic and cold, um, and, I, and by the way, I've fallen into this trap myself of promising people numbers. So it's not like, you know, it comes from a bad intention. Like they truly, genuinely mean well for you. But I find that if someone is pushing their approach on you, but what makes it in, what makes it attractive with the numbers that we're offering you? We're gonna get you a hundred leads this month. Otherwise, don't pay for it. I find that to be just check on that real quickly, just to make sure. Uh, the second one is if they're not very very clear about the steps and the processes that they're gonna use for your lead generation efforts, uh, I find that to be uh, a, a bit fishy as well. So um, um, you know, b making big 
pre, uh, claims and promises, that's a, definitely a, a big sign of uh, uh, of something to be of, of something to be aware of. The last thing I would say in terms of you know making sure that you are working with somebody is the better that they can tell you that they've gotten results for your industry the more likely they can mm -hmm. get you the results. Because um, uh, if they just say, yeah, you know, we'll help you, whatever, it doesn't matter what industry you are in. I mean, it doesn't mean that they're lying, but I would definitely want to check on, okay, how many people in my space have you actually worked with? Because there's different nuances in different spaces. For example, if you're working with, in the finance space, it's a very, very different way of talking about you know, your offer and, and kind of how you talk to people versus if you're in the coaching space. So uh, the more focused they are on a niche, uh, the better for you. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, as businesses, sometimes it's going to jump and hope for the best. Uh, it's always better to work with agencies that are more focused on doing it with you services versus right. doing it for you, because that way you can be involved in the process. You can see what they're doing and then you can learn from that and hopefully run it by yourself uh, as well, which is why we've moved away from more of a done for you agency uh, to more of a done with you kind of software company is kind of where we are right now. We've learned a lot over the years, but uh, hopefully that helps. It's, it's a very muddy space out there. It's, it's really hard. It's, you know, it's somewhere in the yeah. So looking for case studies, you know, always helps, if, especially if it's in your niche, so that mm -hmm. you know they've already performed for businesses like yours. Right. Um, last question here before we end: uh, Is there any other common mistake that business owners make with lead generation that we haven't covered? Well, I would say that you know, um, the, not trying, not getting help. So if you feel like you can do it by yourself, maybe you can, and you know, it's fine if you want to go down that path, but you most likely will spend a lot of time wasting a lot of time and efforts when you should be actually running your business instead of trying to figure out something. It's like me saying, oh, I'm going to go do my taxes because I don't want to pay someone that extra couple hundred dollars. And then I end up, number one, spending my time in the weeds and not doing it properly. And number two, I leave so much on the table as well because I, I don't know what mm -hmm. things to claim. So yes, you can do it yourself, but I would recommend go find an expert who's doing this day in, day out and work with them. I would say, you know, focus on a lot of software is a good place to start with lead generation. Like there's so many softwares out there of course our software is one of those but there's a lot of software that really helps you solve the problem and if you don't have the time or the energy to do software then of course you want to actually hire an agency or a consultant who can help you but the biggest mistake is trying to figure it out yourself it's just a big mistake you're going to spend a whole bunch of time and then you eventually will hire somebody anyways <laughs> if you're serious about your business that is yeah, it's getting harder and harder to cut through the noise. So Goodness. thank you for that. Uh, David, this has been really informative, and I hope people feel empowered to kind of step up their lead generation efforts, and especially if they've never tried before. Now they've got enough background and context to know what to expect and what to look for. So guys, go check out David's website, outreachgenius.ai, and sign up for, I think he has a free 14-day trial, and you can see how personalized AI outreach can make a difference in your business. Thanks again, David, for being on the show, and thanks to all of you for listening, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Digital Dominance Podcast, brought to you by Frobro. Each week, we dive into various digital marketing topics to help you get more clients online. If you really want to dominate, go to frobro.com slash dominate for a free evaluation of your online presence. It's time for digital domination.